Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend. The question for today is, it's a summer vacation for the children, their parents, i.e. mom and dad, or mom and mom, or dad and dad, just recently broke up. And now we've got to sort out the summer vacation and it's chaos. Nobody knows if they're coming or going. Nobody knows what we should do with the kids. Should we do with the kids what we did with them last year? But wait a minute, last year we were together as a couple. This year we're not. And I don't want her or him to come to my parents' cottage. Or if we get invited to the neighbor's cottage, we're not gonna go and share a room this is really complicated. Leanne and Steve, what do we do? It's summer, the kids need plans, and we're splitting up. And that is today's topic. Yeah, and it's very timely because kids are now out of school. So um, for parents who are in this situation, I'm gonna hope that you consult it, Steve or I or your lawyer, you know, long before now when the kids are out so that you actually have something in place. But in case you haven't, or, you know, in case you find yourself in this situation next year, we wanna provide you with some helpful information today on what the options are so and how this can be done. Principles. Um, we're going to start with just psychology 101, then we're going to move to law 101, and then we're going to move to resolution 101. So let's start with psychology 101. It's all about the kids. Don't make this about your personal life. Don't make this about your sadness, your anger, your upset, your disappointment, your vengeance towards your spouse for what she or he did in the past to you that resulted in the end of your marriage. It's the summertime. The children only get this summer. Next summer, they're gonna be a year older. It won't be the same for them. This is their summer. Make it about the children and try your darndest to not allow your personal and marital issues to pull a, a dark gray cloud over your children's summer vacation. And that'll mean different things for different people with kids at different ages, with different living arrangements, depending on your situation, your divorce, and your, and your current state. But if you start from the premise, this is all about the children, you will likely make better choices than if you start from the premise that I am upset with her or him, and I am not gonna allow them to spend time with the children considering what he or she did to me in the last few days, weeks, months, years. So that's Psychology 101. Before I go to Law 101, I'd love to hear from you, particularly in light of the fact, not only are you a mom, not only are you a family law lawyer, but you spend quite a bit of time coaching people. And this is the sort of thing that I'm really excited and interested to hear what you would coach people on. 
Well, like you, Steve, I would advise people, you know, that they've got to put the best interests of the children at the, the front and center of all this. What's in the children's best interest? What will be best for them? And, you know, that will be unique to each family. Um, and it'll also depend on, you know, the parents' own schedule. I mean, some, you know, some people have jobs like that are teachers or they work in the school system. And so they're off during the summer and have more time available to be with their children. And, you know, and other people just work their normal, regular schedule. And so those are some of the types of factors that, you know, need to be looked at when determining, you know, what is best for the children. But I totally agree with you, Steve, like your vendetta, your anger, your hurt, you know, whatever your ex may have done, you've got to put that aside and focus on, you know, what's best for the children. And, you know, same thing with things like camps and whatnot. I mean, a lot of children, uh, you know, go to summer camps and it's always nice to, to be able to continue those, if, you know, if what children were doing pre-separation or pre-divorce, it's always nice to be able to have them do those same things to give them the consistency um, so, you know, if you're being asked to contribute towards something like that, I, you know, if you can afford it, I, I think, you know, it, it would be a good thing for your children to, to keep that sort of thing going. So from a, the psychology standpoint, 100% focus on what's best for the children and try and keep things, you know, the same or the status quo as much as possible. But understandably, there's going to be some changes because, you and know, if you're no longer together, that's going to have really an really important points still on psychology 101. Psychology 101 would tell us that there's going to be disruption in the children's lives. They don't even know. In fact, you might not even know the level of disruption in your lives in light of the fact that this family living in one home is going to become a family living in two homes with some pretty significant changes going to happen in the future. And so one thing that I would leave our viewers with is the notion that given the fact that there's going to be quite a few changes coming around the corner. Now is the time to double down on what is familiar, what is routine, what has historically worked well. So what do I mean by that? If historically the children have spent a week or two at the grandparents' cottage, it may not be the exact same as before. Maybe both parents won't be there, but definitely for the kids being at the cottage for those two weeks, whether it's the friend or the family member or whatnot, that is something that you could preserve with some minor changes. Or if the children went to the city of blank camp for their summer, or they went to an overnight program for two or three or four weeks for one session or whatnot, that those past um, practices, those past and historical choices, if they can be replicated this summer, that will achieve a lot of goals, one of which is to keep the children happy and busy, two, to keep them routine and regular, three, it'll also give you the space to be able to manage some of your own personal trauma, as opposed to having the kids at home with you 24-7 through the summer months. And so nothing can be better than trying to aim for the same routine. Now, having said that, some might say, well, hold on a second. In the past, he already he would always pay for the summer camp, and now he's not agreeing or she's not agreeing to pay for the summer camp. A lot of people get hung up on that. Well, guess what? When a couple splits up, there is a running creditor-debtor relationship. There's money's going to be owed, money's going to be paid. There's going to be money up, money down, money up, money down. So 
you can go ahead and pay the full freight of summer camp while saying this is something that we're going to have to address later when we do adjustments for who owes who what. So even though you might be paying the full amount, thinking that you shouldn't be because she or he always historically paid it, you can comfortably pay the full amount and you could even write it on the back of the check or on the email or on the note that I, I believe you owe me half the money or all of the money, but I am paying this and we will adjust for it later. The beneficiary is the child. The, be the beneficiaries are the children. The financial arrangements, that's a TBD. We're going to figure that out later. And just because you paid it, doesn't mean you're out of pocket. It just means it needs to be adjusted for later. Yes, for sure. I see we have a question there or comments and then they may not agree to reconcile knowing that it costs you um, more to take it to lawyers and arbitration than it does for the expenses. And, and that, that's true. Like, you know, I, I think sometimes people are reluctant to pay money um, or pay more than their portion at the time because they're concerned that, you know, they may not be able to collect it or that's going to, you know, to be a whole rigmarole with legal expenses and court processes. And that is a valid concern. And I think, you know, again, I just always try and focus on it is going towards the children. So the children are benefit. It's not like it's money going into your ex's household per se, because it's going directly to a camp. So you do 100% know the children are getting the benefit of it. So if you can afford it, and I understand there's that, you know, that risk that maybe, you know, collecting the money could be a challenge. It's still, as they say, benefiting the children. So if you can do it, I would always encourage people to do it. So now let's to, move on to law. To do it. So if this is a legal question, what would be the answer? Well, no shocker here. The law is based on the test of what is in the child's best interest, which takes us right back to psychology 101. In other words, what you should do in the summer with the kids, according to Ontario and Canadian law, will very much match the answer that a group of 10 psychologists or social workers would give you with respect to what to do. And so, but we're going to go into it a little deeper nonetheless. So section 24 and section, section 24 of the Children's Law Reform Act and section 16 of the Divorce Act stipulate what the rules are with respect to parenting decisions. And it goes on to say that when a couple is together, that one person is not paramount to the other one in terms of decision-making authority. When the parents split up, they are presumed to have equal decision-making authority unless and until there is either a court order or a written agreement stipulating who makes the decisions. And so this is where things get tricky because somebody might say, well, when we were together, I always made the decisions and she always agreed when it came to summer plans. This summer, I want the kids to do the same thing as last summer. I want them to go to Camp ABC, but she doesn't want to agree. And the enrollment form require the parents to agree. And so in a situation like that that takes us to the person that asked the question if you do not have consensus and you therefore need plans and there are no plans because there's no consensus then you are indeed left in the hands of having either a zero plans or b you can seek the remedy from an arbitrator or a judge or don't forget 
There's always the option of mediation as well. And so there are tools available to somehow arrive at consensus, even though right now there isn't consensus. And let's be frank, there's always a reason why someone says no. It could be emotional reasons. It could be whatever she says, my answer is the opposite. Well, guess what? Leanne and I see that a lot. But once they speak to divorce coaches, therapists, mediators, and lawyers, we're able to help them move away from that position. But there might be another reason for the no. The other reason for the no is if the kid goes to camp at that particular camp, then the weeks that they would normally go to the in-laws or grandparents' cottage, well, they conflict. Okay, so now let's look at things from a solution-focused standpoint, which takes us to resolution 101. So what do we do? So one of the first things that I would say people should do is start with a question. Things are not good with you and I, spouse, but the kids finish school next week and we need to have some plans for them at minimum to keep them busy and not be exposed to what we're going through. What are your ideas on what we should do with the kids this summer? Tell me. Tell me if you have more than one. Tell me if you have only one idea. Um, I don't have any ideas yet. Let me know what your ideas are. So put it as an invitation to resolve. Don't inject, because I think this is what we should do with the kids. Because as soon as you do that, you're effectively shoving a flag in the ground, and the other person may very well be in a position where they're upset or they're vengeful, and they go, well, since the flag is over here, I'm going to put the flag over there. And that feeds the seeds of conflict. We don't want conflict. So yeah. ask the question, what do you think we should do with the kids this summer? Now, it may be that the answer is a good answer, or it may be it's a terrible answer. But at least you're starting the dialogue. And the dialogue will lead possibly not to a solution per se, but it might lead to a conversation. And that conversation then might lead to a pathway to resolving it. And that pathway might be, you know, making a few phone calls, finding out what the neighbors, the friends' kids are doing, seeing if the kids could spend a couple of weeks with the grandparents, maybe not necessarily with the parents there. So uh, asking the questions might lead to more questions. And the questions generate communication. And the communication will lead, hopefully, to a resolution, which, by the way, is absolutely great. Because if you start with resolving small things like the summer holidays, maybe, just maybe, that will lead in September to resolving the big things like the house and the pension and the children's parenting schedule. Because what ends up happening is, is when you start a divorce, disagreeing over everything, it leads to more disagreements. But if you start a divorce, leading, starting with some agreements, small ones, it could lead to bigger agreements. Definitely. And, you know, just sort of some practical um, examples of things that I've seen with clients is, you know, generally um, most parents, you know, take summer, some summer vacation and they want to have some summer vacation time with their children during, you know, the July, August months when the children are off school. So 
again, quite, you know, what is quite commonly seen in uh, parenting agreements or separation agreements is that each parent, you know, gets one week or two weeks um, of vacation time with uninterrupted vacation time with the children and you might have a date um, you know that you have to notify you know by say by May 1st or whatever the date might be that you notify the other parent of the weeks that you're choosing and one year maybe one parent picks first and the other year the other parent picks first and so that's something that you know sometimes we see done if the children are really young it might just be a week um or it could be less than a week if you know if they're super young and it's hard for them to be away from either parent for more than a few days that has to be factored in so it has to be age appropriate you're, you, you're not going to probably take a one-year-old uh away for two weeks um you know where they're not going to see the other parents so it, it can evolve and change as the children grow older uh and their needs and their development changes um, but, you know, it's common for people to have that time. And another thing I common, commonly see is the schedule in the summer, um, you know, it isn't always the same, is it? You know, some people do just follow the same schedule that they followed all year round. But I've seen situations where, you know, one parent is off in the summer. Um, and so it makes sense to adjust for that because if a parent is going to be home and they can actively do fun, interesting, you know, learning type things with the children, it, it makes sense for the children to have that type of opportunity and to not be, you know, with another, with a babysitter or in a daycare um, where they otherwise might have been because this, you know, this parent is available. Another thing that comes up is, you know, sometimes one of the parents, um, for a variety of reasons, sees the children, you know, less during the rest of the year. Maybe it's due to their work hours. Maybe I've seen situations where there's a distance. What one parent, the parents do not live near each other for whatever reasons. That's how it's evolved. So, um, in the summer months, uh, you know, say mom lived in British Columbia and dad lived in Ontario and they, they, they first resided in Ontario, maybe the children will go and spend most of the summer months in British Columbia with mom because they're going to school in Ontario and so they're not able to spend as much time during the school year with mom. And so, you know, again, that can be a very um, contested or a contentious type of issue, but I think for parents, if they wanna focus on their children and what's best for them and it's good for them to have that parenting time with mom in that situation because they're not having it as much during the year. So again, be child focused and, you know, maybe that makes sense for, you know, the children to have one or two weeks, you know, in Ontario and the rest of the summer in British Columbia. But the key is, as Steve touched upon, communication, cooperation, and, and putting the children first and, in and all of these the types way, of the scenarios. And by the way, the sort of comments that Leanne and I have made today is the very work that we do with clients privately before the client goes and engages in what might in their minds be appropriate communication but could potentially lead to conflict and so the conversation that leanne and i are having today it really matches the conversations that we as divorce lawyers have with clients where we're in the advisory and coaching part of our relationship and oftentimes Times, the work that we do privately with clients, unbeknownst to the other spouse, is the most effective work. Because by addressing things like summer holidays and communication and openness to hearing other people's views leads to what I consider speedy, fair, and inexpensive divorce settlements. Or the corollary is conflictual communications, positional arguments, 
that leads to lengthy, expensive, and acrimonious divorces. And so use your summer to firstly achieve the best outcome for your children, and secondly, achieve the best outcome for the next few stages of your separation and divorce. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the best takeaway from today's uh, live and on this topic. So thank you everyone for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Divorce Explained. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Steve Benmore and at Leanne Townsend Life for more. And if you're looking for specific divorce services, you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca. We hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.